Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford. I'm Kirsten White. I'm Anthony Oliveira. I'm Latoya Ferguson. And I'm Kimberly Ann Southwick. And I've assembled this group of Scoobies for Slayer Fest's 100th episode. Yay! Yay! <laughs> so, uh, fun fun thing that our 100th episode fell on Hell's Bells, a very <laughs> fun episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm planning on breaking up with you by the end of the episode, Ian. Just yeah. I, I think half of my notes are, I hate this episode. <laughs> like, I, I physically had to write it out several times. So. Yeah. This is going to go great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, literally my first note is, God, even the previously ons are, like, miserable. <laughs> I'm literally, that's literally the one I'm miserable previously on my first notes of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will say, then we go into... I do like all the wedding prep parts. Um, I like seeing Buffy and Willow. They do like the cute reveal where it's like, oh, like we have, we have to do this, blah, 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 blah. And then it's, oh, they're in their like wedding dresses, which I have a question. Do we all know who was supposed to be Anya's maid of honor? Was it not Halfrek? She's wearing a bridesmaid's dress. Yeah. Oh, she is. That's right. Yeah. I but she doesn't help at all. She does nothing. Yeah. She just sits up with the Hoffrin. She time. rolls in pretty late, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I always assumed it was Halfrek until this viewing, and I was like, well, she's not there. Like, she comes in late. Yeah. It looks like it's Tara. Tara's doing the most for her. But also, you, Tara's just bound to be the person who's going to do the most for anyone on any right. given day at any given time. So. <laughs> she probably cleaned the hall afterward. Probably, like, yeah. Stacking chairs till midnight. Yeah. She's like, no, no one, no one else worry. I got it. Yeah. Oh, Tara. <laughs> but so I was wondering that because, yeah, Halfrek and Tara and Willow all have long sleeved bridesmaids dresses and Anya or and uh, Buffy and Dawn have short sleeve bride, bridesmaids dresses. I did not read that as a status thing. I read that as like Sarah Michelle Gellar's agent was like, you cannot put her in those sleeves. <laughs> and then they, like I literally assumed that's what it was that they, she simply would not be in that outfit. Like it, it was too much. Cause I don't think it reads as a status thing. Cause uh, no. Dawn is also in the little caps. Right. And that's really common to um, force your bridesmaids to have slightly different variations of the same hideous dress. So, oh, really? So yes. Willow and Tara opted for the long sleeve version? <laughs> I mean, I don't think they necessarily got a choice. Oh, but, I see. I mean, that yeah. tracks with their Ren Faire outfits. So. It's yeah. It's true. <laughs> but it is a huge missed opportunity. I, I'm very sad we did not get to see Willow in a dapper tux because... Women in Texas is like, mm, yeah. Same. Yeah. If this were recorded you know, in 2019, she'd totally be in a tux. And it would work so well. It'd be a better episode if she it were. <laughs> if, if Willow had been in a tux, it would have gone up several grades. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, I was one of I was one of Kim's bridesmaids and I got to wear my suit. <laughs> yes, she did. I, I kept putting that in my notes. I was like, oh, like when like when Anya's like being like, and that's anachronistic, misogynistic. And I'm like, oh, Anya, but also me to Kim when you would be worrying about like, <laughs> oh, but what if the people like are going to get offended at like this tradition thing? And I'd be like, who cares? And you'd be like, you know what? Right. <laughs> oh, how cute. We have like a wedding like podcast happening here. I didn't realize we were going in with this dynamic. Oh, neat. <laughs> Kim and I have been best friends since she was in eighth grade and I was in ninth. So, oh. and, and now we're of an age where that was a while ago. My <laughs> wedding was a while ago, Ian. <laughs> God, I know. <laughs> I do feel like we're like 
I have very specific. I'm interested in why people don't like the episode. Like that would be a thing I'm interested in figuring out over the next hour. Like what it is about this episode that doesn't work. Cause I, I don't like to be, I don't like to just roll in and trash things. I do think there's some good stuff on here and I'm interested in why it is that it doesn't work. So if we, if people could help me do that, I'd be I delighted. Have very, I have very specific notes about what I think this episode, other than like the devastating ending, I have very specific notes about why I think this episode does not work. How would Ooh. you, what, what are your notes? Like what goes wrong here for you? So I feel like they waste so much time in this episode. Um, they give so much time to Xander's family and to the Xander's family with the demons. And the previous episode, if I recall correctly, was about Xander's family mm-hmm, and yeah. all of those issues. And so they have already told that story. So all of the time they spent with like the random uncle hitting on people and talking about how to stuff animals and all of that stuff was just, it was just wasting time with characters that we will never see again and that we don't care about. Mm. So there's no emotional stakes. I know they were establishing that Xander comes from an unhealthy family background, but we've already established that. Like we know that it was in a previous episode. So for them to rehash that, just, we spent so much time with characters that we don't care about. Um, I also have in my note, wasting time with Dawn, which could be said about (laughs) (laughs) That's a personal note to me. Her hair looks glorious. Her hair looks really, really good. So well done there, Dawn. Um, But (laughs) otherwise, no. I just feel like, I feel like I loved those quiet moments that they have in this episode between characters that we care about. Those quiet relationship moments played out against the background of this very high emotion day. But they just spent so much time with characters that we don't know, we're never going to see again, and we don't care about. Hmm. You know, that's uh, a better said version of what I had. Like, I think I, at one point I put in my notes when we're panning the crowd and we see that like weird squid demon guy. Yeah. I was like, why aren't these at least demons that we know? Like, they, yeah. like they have Clem there. We could have had other, it just would have made sense for it to be like other characters we had seen. I don't know. I kind of liked that the energy felt like he was Clem's plus one though. Yeah. <laughs> like good on you, Clem. I was listening to the mm-hmm. uh, DVD commentary track. Apparently that actor is a model who was like best friends with Sydney, uh, uh, Cindy Crawford. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so, yeah. so you have the same notes. And what about you, Latoya? What's wrong here? Uh, upon rewatching this episode, it really just kind of reaffirmed what I always thought, which was that, Xander skipping out on Anya it's just contrived they tried mm-hmm. so hard mm-hmm. in this episode to to say well you know his fears really got to him but I feel like in a post the replacement world it shouldn't have worked especially once he realized it's not real we have yes. like six and a half seasons at this like point of Xander doing everything he can in his like to not be like his family to all of a sudden because this demon gave him fake memories be like well I'm gonna be like my family literally everything about you against this backdrop of people shows that you're not like these people these Mm. terrible terrible people he's worried about becoming a drunk Xander do you even drink yeah you know He's worried about, you know, I'm going to be stuck with you forever. Uh, apparently divorce doesn't work in, like, exists in this world besides <laughs> Buffy's parents. Um, it's just, they wanted to to break everyone's hearts because, you know, it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer and it's season six, which is just, especially, we, we talked about the previous leads, but the season really is kind of just misery for misery's sake. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was 
watching this episode and thinking about the season, I feel like if while the season was in a way ahead of its time, but at the same time, if it had come a few years later, it would have been so much better than what we have because mm. it's basically the test version of better seasons of shows later. Yeah. Uh, but it's yeah, it's just misery on top of misery. I feel like nothing really great is accomplished from the results of this episode. And yeah. I, I know you were upset with Dawn because, you know, she's Dawn. I actually thought Dawn was one of the better parts of the episode. And in the final scene, I'm like, I kind of would have wanted more Dawn. And I guess we'll talk about it. But, like, this is the 16-year-old kid who her mom dies, her sister dies. The only love, like, like loving relationship she knows is Willow and Tara. They break up. And then the last one is Xander and Anya. And they just broke up on their wedding day. Right. Like, this kid is fucked. <laughs> this kid is really fucked. Yeah. We should have dealt a lot more with uh, those issues. Like, Dawn sh- should have been more of a mess than she was, honestly. Yeah. Yes, I really. What about this didn't work for you? I would say uh, I'm similar to Latoya here. Xander being Xander is stupid, but Xander being as stupid as he is, like first of all, why doesn't he see in this like flash forward thing that like he's the awful one, and then be like, oh well, <laughs> if I'm just not like that because I really right. love her because I just talked about to my you know. Uh, what is it called? Wedding party about how much I love her. Like, okay, like if this is going to be my future, then like, oh, I should probably change it. Like, I don't know. And then, I mean, from that point forward, like he just makes every possible bad decision that he could going forward. Mm. And like, I don't, I, I never, I feel like every time I come on this, uh, this podcast, I like bash Xander. I don't know if I just get (laughs) the bad Xander episodes or if he's just always terrible. (laughs) <laughs> this is a really bad Xander episode. <laughs> right? This is like him at his worst and just like con- <laughs> confirms to me that he's like that like straight white dude who like got away with stuff back in the 90s that like, again, if it were, those are filmed in like 2019, I, you know, we, we, we'd be way more mad at him maybe that than we were back then. Were we this mad? Yeah. I don't know. We were after this episode. Yeah. yeah. There we go. <laughs> Kim, Kim and I were texting about it. Um, And it's funny because like, you know, back in the like back when this aired i don't i never i always like you know xander would be a little bit annoying he was always like kind of my least favorite but this for me is the thing that i never forgave him for because this yeah feels it and like like kim said he's a character that he's played as kind of stupid and he is supposed like that's not they're not trying to pretend he's a super genius but he he's played as a little silly a little stupid but this feels like this feels even out of character for him and it feels like anya Every everything Anya does when she's like, no, I don't want to talk to you. Like, no, get away from me. Like in the finale, when they're helping, trying to like help Willow. I just, I'm like, Anya's so justified in everything yeah. she's furious about. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel like we ever. So Kim and I were talking about this and I, I came up with that. I think this episode would have made more sense if Anya had somehow also been a redeemable big bad in the way Willow was. I, mm. Like it, mm-hmm. it would have at least made a little bit more sense for it to happen because it's just cruel. Like it, it doesn't. Not that, not that Tara's death is like a you know bag of fun, but it, it. I don't know. That felt like it was like I knew what they were doing, and this it feels like they didn't know what they were doing, this, especially with Anya. This feels like a slap in the face, like to the Xander character. Even though Xander's not the best, but just right. just thinking the absolute least of him, which even I feel like the biggest Xander haters still think that this is 
out of character for him to have done. It's also yeah. just like really stupid. Like I happen to know, I mean, how long has Xander lived in Sunnydale? How long has he been best friends with a slayer and a witch? And some random old dude is like, here, right? come in this other room with me. We're going to do magic. And he's like, okay, cool. Let's go off by ourselves. Like, well, I did believe that that old man with like the 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 magical sphere. I felt like that was the the easiest way to convince uh, Xander that something was true. It was like this is the nerdiest sci-fi <laughs> shit ever. Of course he's gonna believe it. But like, what you're told is not real. Believe it's not real. I, I just I do think that that is a fixable choice that the episode makes. Like one of the strangest things to me is um, I think it was the toy who just mentioned the replacement. You literally have an extra Xander lying around. Like a person exists. You can use his twin. You clearly are willing to use old age makeup in this episode. It would be much more convincing if the fake old Xander was his twin <laughs> done up as an old man. Because th- this man, like this guy walks in, he doesn't even pronounce Anya correctly. Like, <laughs> he's like, you, you can't be mean to Anya. And then he's like, I harnessed it with magic. Like the man has clearly never said the word magic before. I just don't understand it as a casting choice. I'm less inclined. Like I do think Xander is this shitty and I don't mean that even in a bad way. I am quite fond of the character. I do think there is a way to construct the episode that the the leaving at the altar is more believable. Um, I think my problem is, because I was watching this again, and I was like, this episode's script actually doesn't bother me too much. What's bothering me is that it's being paced wrong in its yes. delivery. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, and like, it makes sense. Like, what this actually is, is a Gilmore Girls script. <laughs> like this whole, no, honestly, Re- Rebecca <laughs> no, ran Yeah, she went on to write for Gilmore Girls. Yeah, and this like, this thing you guys are picking at where it's like, why, I don't care about these tertiary characters. Like, welcome to watching Gilmore Girls where you're like, yeah. why the fuck am I watching Kirk build like some <laughs> kind of Goldberg machine? Uber. Yeah, you know? <laughs> um, but this like obsession with like the minutia of the crowd feels very mm-hmm. that. But it's being direct, like even Kirshner talks about how it's a campy episode. And I Mm -hmm. don't think the director has constructed a campy episode. I think it's a director of Mm -hmm. a Buffy episode who's not giving it the zippy, like it doesn't like find a crowd, like a reaction. It's slow and also just in my mind when I remembered this, I remembered, you know, the stroll through the future being much longer. It is so quick. And then (laughs) Xander is off, like just off. (laughs) Like, why is this so short? This should be a substantial part of the episode. He's going to leave her. Even though it's short, my notes on it are, are very comprehensive. (laughs) Jim <laughs> always does our homework um but okay so let's try um to go in order <laughs> so okay uh we get all the family i think i mean i'm sure we'll all agree xander's dad has like major maga vibes mm-hmm. oh his oh, entire family they all voted for trump yeah yeah um yeah. <laughs> uh, i i don't mind seeing a bunch of tertiary characters if they were characters like Clem, like, right? Like, I don't mind spending time with Clem and Halfrick because Mm -hmm. while they're not main characters, while they're not characters we see that often, they're still characters we know. So it's like, okay, even, I would even concede Xander's family just because it's like, okay, they have to be there. But make it Mm -hmm. other demons that we have seen that Anya invited. Like, I I just feel like it would have worked better if it was other demons. Maybe if Spike was there the whole time, that also would have added to it. If he was like getting into it with Xander's dad, I don't know. But Mm -hmm. like having us see this set of demons that we've never seen before Mm -hmm. that like really don't have a purpose because 
I, I don't know, like Helfrich, they set her up, right? We saw her in Double Meat Palace. She was Anya's like partner in crime for so long. And so, okay, yeah, I don't mind spending time with her. But everyone else, I'm like, I, why are they, why are, why are we seeing them deliver so many lines? <laughs> okay. I was gonna say two casting things. First up, just this episode with all the demons or the circus folk, uh, it just struck me. Season six, they were very lazy with their their demon work, weren't they? This is just, I feel like the ultimate version of that, just like, oh, this is this is upsetting, you guys. I think they peaked in season six at the shark, the lone shark, and they never recovered after that. Um, but also just, uh, I, the Sanders family casting is also, I wish we could have at least had some like more fun actors. I remember mm-hmm. at the time, people were really hoping that they would cast Bruce Campbell as Xander's dad or his uncle Rory, which they had mentioned numerous times. And then oh. this is what we got. This is what we got. I would have been into that casting. Yeah. At least give us something enjoyable because they're like, they're making jokes with Xander's family, but they're all about how abusive and yes. harmful they are. And, and it's, it's not funny. Yes. Like his uncle Rory being sexually harassing right? that cater waiter is not no, funny. Not yeah. funny. No. And it doesn't stop. Like, I think this is what we're, you got, y'all were getting at with like pacing, but like, okay, yeah, we get it. They're, they're circus folk and you don't like them, oh, and you're drunk, oh, and you're also a misogynist. But, like, then, like, why do we have to see that again 12 more times throughout the episode yes. mm-hmm. between the parts of the characters that we do want to see? And also, like, mm-hmm. you can do so much with a wedding, and they really don't do much with yeah. it at all. It's just, yeah. like, them getting ready and then them, like, being in the room for the ceremony. Like, there's a band. Like, so many other things happen at a wedding. That it has, Have yeah. any of these people who wrote this episode been to a wedding? Like, <laughs> why are they treating the fact that Xander's dad uh, hitting on Buffy, who he has known since a t- she was a teenager, is wacky? <laughs> why are we treating that like that? But wait, it shouldn't okay, be. Okay, wait. But so I will say, um, I think the friend moments, like I like seeing. Yes. So I, I just, I like those moments. I, I We get like, we get to pause at those moments. And, you know, one of the first, like, it's is it right after the credits yeah we go to buffy's helping xander with his cummerbund and i think that's i don't know i just i liked that moment um mm-hmm. and then we get like the few times that they are doing like legit prep wedding prep stuff like that would happen at a wedding right. actually are like touching and cute you know like and then what, why yes. would the two families be like staying at the same place? Like stuff like that. I'm like, get a hotel, you know? Like, I don't know. Why isn't Xander's family staying at his parents' house, right. honestly? <laughs> right. In the basement where he lived. Like, they go to stay there. I think, it, Anthony, was it you in a previous episode that mentioned yeah, this? I, I was really mad about it last last <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah. Because <laughs> these like, people are crashing in his house. Also, the invasiveness of how do you accidentally put a, a cufflink in your earring? Like, I don't... <laughs> I, you know how, like, did she have gauges before? Like, how big is the hole in her ear? Hey, maybe she was a punk rock teen like me and Kim. (laughs) But, okay, so then we do get, which I do love this scene so much of Anya's first, like, when uh, Buffy's like, where's Willow? Shouldn't your your best man be doing this? And he's like, she's busy. And then we cut to um, Anya delivering her first vows. And now we are going to have a special reading of that scene. And playing Willow, we have host of the Luminaries podcast. David Goldberg. And playing Tara, we have Scooby and writer. J.E. Reich. And playing Anya, we have writer, critic, Scooby and fairy gay mother. Dana Pickley. And go. Want me to hold it shut for you? Uh, okay. Are you guys even listening? I need feedback, people. Sorry, uh, please continue with the vows. 
I, Anya, promise to love you, to cherish you, to honor you, uh, but to not obey you, of course, because that's anachronistic and misogynistic. Who do you think you are? Like a sea captain or something? However, I do entrust you with... <laughs> what? Is something funny? Nothing, sweetie. Just keep still. <clears throat> okay. Blah, 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 misogynistic, blah, blah, I do, however, entrust you um, with my heart. Take care of my heart, won't you please? Take care of it because it's all I have. And if you let me, I'll take care of your heart too. And I'll protect it and tend to it like a little stray. Wait, no. Like, like a little mangy stray that needs a home. No, that's not it either. Um, <clears throat> I think we're all set here. Let's take a look at you. Oh. Wow. You look lovely. Really lovely. That was great. <laughs> Emma Caulfield's delivery every time she does her vows is, I think, like the strongest of the episode, the strongest parts of the episode. Mm -hmm. But also, like, mm -hmm. watching them, don't you all feel like watching them now? It's like, this is cute, but like, fuck. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it hurts. Yeah. As after she does her vows, when she's telling, I get to be mm. with my best friend forever, it's just. It's and the previous scene when Xander says to, to Buffy, you know, maybe I'm just I'm just happy, and he clearly is, which is what again makes it so frustrating what happens because they've especially spent this entire season like they have their doubts, obviously they have their standard jitters, but they clearly are so in love and want to be married, yeah, and they can get through it, and they just throw it all away because that's it's it's over now. Yeah, definitely. Like yeah. <clears throat> one of the first things I wrote down based on, like, them going back and forth with, like, the practicing their vows, was how different the episode is to watch if you know what's coming. Like, Xander literally says, yeah. nothing on Earth could stop this wedding now, and it's like, oh, well, maybe the first time I watched it, I should have known that meant that, like, the wedding's not gonna happen. But, like, now I'm like, oh, great, yeah, no. Um, also, I oh, I wrote my notes, I forgot to say this. When that old man first appears, I can remember when I first watched this episode... I was positive. I was like, oh, we've seen him before. He's He was in another episode. And I was like positive that the reveal was going to be he was like some demon we had met before. But then he was an old, just like some random old guy. Um, Why would you want someone you've met before in this episode? It's <laughs> <Yeah>. crazy. <laughs> and also, I mean, the presence of all these tertiary characters undercuts the episode in a few ways. Like the line where she's like, I get to marry my best friend. Even when this specific dress and this specific night reappear in season seven one of the points it's making is that Anya has no life outside of Xander right and this mm -hmm. like robust gathering of these like how many friends does she have apparently like it seems yeah. like she's doing just fine um which rubs against the end of the episode where we see her in the dark opposite to Hoffren um to Hoffren is one of my favorite things in this episode actually like I love the like arch he's like her gay dad like yeah. he rolls in not approving gonna do his best and then like the sinister seduction at the end of the episode i love so much but um the other thing that like having all these extra people around uh really draws a line under is the fact that giles couldn't be bothered right? to come like yep. <laughs> fuck giles fuck the uk so wait i i actually and i don't this is like one of those things that i read on a messaging board like you know back in the day so who knows if it was true or just a fan making it up but that the reason that originally the script had giles in there and that he's the one that tries he like tries to talk to xander when he's leaving uh but that they decided to cut him completely that way his surprise at the end 
is more of a big deal and it would have like made it less of a big deal if he like had been there before and i kind of get that mm. like kind of right yeah <laughs> it would have been an odd return <laughs> like it is it is a difficult like you don't want to fly him back just to be like the fifth wheel in a story right like you want him True. to be important when he comes back um, but it, again, it's like, it is, it does seem odd, especially when we see his house in season seven, you're like, damn, Giles yeah. is loaded. <laughs> like he can't, he can't get a plane ticket. Um, but yeah, so I don't like, and I, I love Anya's, Anya's vows. Like not only is Emma Caulfield doing great work, but I think they're the most, they're the well, the, uh, what are words? They're the best written parts of the episode as well like i don't think the episode is that strong but i think her vows are very strong there's some like there's some like like short like funny moments that i was like oh haha this part's funny but then they're like immediately gone so i would say yeah like the <laughs> i mean even uh even xander saying his vows i would say the the juxtaposition between wow. those two things is is uh the best part of the episode oh i just have in my notes so you you know you've got these tenor moments between people and when buffy and xander are having that exchange where she was like this is my light at the end of the tunnel um which again knife to the chest but when she says you're one of the good ones i have in my notes beg to differ <laughs> uh, how how can so and, xander is surrounded by the most incredibly competent women it's you know you know they're just failing upwards I guess. But. <laughs> I <laughs> anyway so yeah. I do like that. That's his anxiety. Like the the yeah. the way he be the way he is vulnerable in those flash for fake flash forwards is that like the reason he hates himself is partly because she keeps expressing that fear that he has chained down this amazing woman who is like mm-hmm. who feels miserable because she's attached to him. Um, I do think that, I mean, but yes, I don't, the episode doesn't give him a lot of ways to be likable, right? Like, I think that as much as Anya's speeches are great, one of the structural difficulties of the episode is that because it wants to keep insisting the couple can't see each other, they're siloed. Like Anya spends most of the episode in one room, right? right? Um, And Xander has scenes opposite a character we've never seen before, again, right? it would be better if this was his brother and we could sense like, then the audience would have some reason to believe it. And then the reveal that it's this random guy is a, is meaningful in some way, I guess it would have been nice if it had been someone we've seen on your wrong before, mm-hmm. but whatever. <laughs> um, but it just, it keeps, it keeps cutting itself off from actual emotional connections in ways that I find frustrating. Yeah, and I feel like they could have. So, so next we have the scene, you know, where Xander does see the future, and I feel like a, you're right. So little time was spent on that. When you rewatch it, you're like, I remember this being much more extensive, and it's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I it's three feel beats, like if right? they, yeah, if they had leaned way more into Xander marrying Anya ruins Anya's yes. life. Mm-hmm. Not it turns Xander into this bitter old man who ends up killing her, but. But leaning into sadness of like, oh, this is the worst choice she ever makes. Not that I make or that we make. It's the worst possible choice for Anya. I feel like that could have lent some sort of, not necessarily nobility, but sympathy to why Xander makes the choice that he does. Because even if it's revealed to be fake, he knows he's not good enough. Or he feels Mm -hmm. he's not good enough. And that I feel like would have, because it's, it's, it's there. It's one of those things, you know, when you're writing a book, everything is there, but you haven't hit it enough. You haven't figured out quite enough 
what you need to do. And that's why you edit and you revise <laughs> and you keep going back to things. And I feel like this episode needed three or four more passes. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's a better episode if they're possibly both experiencing these flash forwards together. And then at the end, I guess when Anya decides you also get married, it's then Xander backs out. But it, I feel like it shouldn't just be Xander going through this and then... Because he has to defend himself, and he can't, yeah. really. Unless he's smart enough to see that it's clearly false, which, like, there's nothing really them but about the <laughs> flash-forward. Like, you know, like, yeah. I didn't see their mm-hmm. <clears throat> characters really, uh, you know, on showcase. It was, like, a really stereotypical, like, this marriage has gone wrong kind of narrative. Um, and it just they happen to yeah. look like slightly older versions of them. Like, there was, you know... A lot to see through there that, you know, he doesn't see through. As the uh, commentary track points out, it's the future, but for some reason, it's 1950 <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I one of my least favorite sci-fi fantasy tropes is like, ooh, look, we're going to like insert you, like Doctor Who does this all the time, where it's like, we're going to insert you into this new like family that you're supposed to care about for like 10 minutes of an episode and that it ruins the lives of these characters for that episode. And like, I really don't like that. And like you, like we all have said, we needed to spend more time with them, but also I didn't care because it didn't, uh, Kim, you just said, like, it just doesn't feel like them. I don't know. Like seeing Anya just, she's like just yelling at him. It's like, she cheated on him with another demon and that's what the daughter's from. Like, I don't know. There was never a like, moment that felt like truly them in those flash forwards and i mm-hmm. always have trouble caring about that inside like some sometimes they do it well i'm sure i was waiting anthony for you to be like well ian actually you said you liked in the comics i'm sure there has been in comics like times i've liked it but in shows it just <laughs> almost never lands for me because i have trouble making myself care for something that i know is completely temporary and isn't going to matter later if that makes sense i don't know i just I, I don't mind moments like that. I just feel like, again, like the tone is fighting it. Like when I see that little girl's weird ears yes. that seem to be Clem's <laughs> right. ears, which is the funniest thing, like the idea yes. that like, yeah. it's just, I, I have trouble understanding how I'm supposed to feel. Like, is this a moment of campiness too? Or like that moment when he hits her with the frying pan is simultaneously the most horrific thing Buffy ever puts in, on its frame. Like, yeah. it is disgusting to watch. But it's so cartoonish, yeah. too, that mm-hmm. it's like, the whole, like, to me, the saddest line of the episode is when Anya mm-hmm. says, that's all it took. Because it that, to me, would mean something. But the fact that I don't know how to read, I feel like I'm, I hate the script the least of all of us. Like, I actually think it's a workable script that has been, put together in the frame in a way that I don't understand what it's trying to say anymore. Mm. I feel like it could have been a more obviously I, zany episode yes. that then took a sudden dark turn at the end. Mm-hmm. It's annoying that we have to dissect the fake flash forward so much, but it's it's really, it's yeah. integral. Because all I could think of is <laughs> at the beginning, you know, his back is shot, so he can't work construction. Could he not have just done office work? Like he was top tier in his construction work. <laughs> he was not like a grunt. Yeah, he did, he could have just like transitioned to office work and probably made better money anyway. And Latoya, like you said, I have this in my notes too. Like, is divorce not an option at all for them? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, get a divorce? I I don't know. But I'm and also like you said, Anthony, and they said in the comment, it does look like weird fifties, and that's kind of always Anya's vibe as a human, right? Like once they yeah, I guess that's true. Once they got like a grasp <laughs> on her character, I feel like her look was always very like fifties. 
but even their like laundry right. machine is like this mechanical horror <laughs> from like <laughs> yeah. uh, but i did want to point out um i actually really like i thought this was a good way of introducing us to everyone at the wedding when dawn's walking around and she greets yeah. the hoffrin who she's never met before uh, and Halfrek, I, I actually really, I like that scene. And I like Halfrek being like, oh, call me Hallie. We're family. And Don goes, hmm, <laughs> neat. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Uh, and then when they walk away, uh, Halfrek, I never noticed this before, but I saw it in the captions. She goes, it's Gatrika. What's her name? What has she done with herself? And like, those are moments I like that I think we really could have used mm-hmm. more of mm-hmm. for like, if we're going to, if we're going to go all out for like, there's a shit ton of people here. We don't know them all. Sure, show us the characters we do know talking about the people we don't know, like to make it more interesting. We haven't talked about Spike's date. (laughs) I actually love that aspect of this episode. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like this Spike and Buffy interaction in this episode is maybe one of my favorite interactions they ever have because it's it's so tender. Tender. Apparently, apparently, Joss Whedon wrote only that scene of Spike and Buffy interacting. There you go. It makes a lot of sense. It was very good. <laughs> and it's a really smart cut, too, because um, you got the old dude saying sometimes two people, all they bring each other is pain. And then it cuts immediately to Spike yeah. and Buffy. <laughs> um, but but I love this exchange between them. And, like, um, it's so cute and it's funny and it's sweet. And, like, you can see Spike is really trying. And, um, and Buffy's very sort of, like, emotionally generous. Yeah. And it's one of the more hopeful scenes of, of season six. <laughs> At this wedding that's about to be. <laughs> it feels to me the most human too. Yeah. Like yeah. I definitely, maybe I'm projecting, but I've definitely simultaneously rolled into an event where I'm like, I have to destroy my ex <laughs> and make them realize what they're missing. And also at the same time been like, God, I hope I'm not hurting their feelings. I hope they're doing okay. Yeah. Like, like, as much as he's playing it as like Spike's evilness, like I've definitely been exactly both those and you can see desires it in at once. Spike's eyes or James Marster's eyes, if we're going to give whoever we're going to give credit here, yeah. like just the way that he's looking at her when he's, <laughs> you know, he's obviously not really trying to hurt her. Like he leaves, he's like, yeah, we're just going to go, you know, and you can see in his eyes how much he loves yeah. her. Yeah, yeah, it is a fantastic scene, and they both do they, so. Well they do. It. It's. I, I the thing I put about that notes is that I loved it, but also it's crazy that their chemistry is still there when it's like they're ju- they're being cordial yeah. and very like mature to each other, but the chemistry is still a hundred percent there, which is insane. Wait, we got ahead of ourselves because that, that scene doesn't happen until later. But Dawn sees Spike. I wanted to point out Spike is dressed exactly the same. Like he doesn't <laughs> dress up at all for the wedding. <laughs> he wears a black button up instead of a black t shirt, but he also wore a black button up a few times this season. So he's like not wearing anything new, which I appreciate. Do you want him to wear a tux <laughs> with that jacket? I mean, there yeah. are looks. I mean, if you look at like Bowie and the Hunger, there's like ways to dress up that kind of Billy Idol aesthetic that would have actually been really cool yes. to see, I think. But do you think he would have tried for Xander Harris's that's, wedding? That's no. true. I feel like he likes Anya. He <laughs> can't stand Xander. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> where where are we in our notes? Hmm. We're at Uncle Rory sexually harassing a cater waiter. Right. <laughs> God. It I which it's one of you said it just earlier, but like it's just that like we didn't need more of it, right? We we got it. We didn't need it again. And I don't know. Ugh. I, I wanted 16-year-old Dawn to save this woman. <laughs> Dawn's not saving anyone. 
I was like, were we okay with this Poor like dog. back in whenever this aired? Or like, you know, I mean, they it's openly sexual sexual harassment, but like, yeah, like he just kind of gets away with it in the scene, and I'm like, oh no. I mean, I. I feel like I talked about this literally <laughs> last episode, but there is a general way season six is very creepy about sex that always off puts me. Like when Xander's like, if you had given me some touch and I'm like, oh, what the, who oh, says yeah. that? Like, like <laughs> um, and the uncle Rory stuff in general. I mean, I do remember some of the stories about him were quite creepy in yeah. previous episodes. So there is like a tonal issue there too. But in general, it's like, could we just like, be gentlemen and ladies about this. I'm well, I think also, <laughs> like um, you mentioned it earlier, and I, I'm just repeating myself over and over again in this episode. Um, but Uncle Rory, the actor, has like a cartoonish, like dad, sitcom dad face. Yeah. So to like that with also then it's like oh, but he's like sexually harassing everyone, and they're like he's not, he's just a not drunk version of Xander's dad. Uh, like they don't like mix well together. I think he needed to have like. I think someone like Bruce Campbell, like you said, they were like expecting him, hoping he would be cast. He would have been better at this, like delivering like a, a wacky. Yeah, with a, he's supposed yeah. to be leerier. Like that car that Xander drove in the Zeppo is supposed to be Uncle Roy's yeah. car. Like he's supposed to be your creepy yeah. weird uncle. Like the taxidermy thing is not supposed to be a charming detail about his life. It's supposed to be a serious yeah. red flag, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's not played that way because this guy is weirdly... I mean, avuncular is the exact wrong word to use here, but he's like charming and kind of funny. And like, I actually find the coffee pot bit kind of funny. And it's like, I need him to be more upsetting. I need him to be another symptom of the creepiness of Xander's family. And instead he's like, oh, I kind of like that guy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and as as it stands, he and Xander's father are the exact same role. They're the older man making inappropriate comments, making passes at younger women and just being embarrassing and so yeah i feel like they i feel like they weren't distinguished enough and i feel like that's part of the problem with the whole background thing is so many of the background tertiary characters that they brought in served exactly the same role there was no need for them to have that many versions of this same person Ooh, ooh, kirsten kirsten you must be a writer (laughs) it's like i'm a writer or something yes I wanted to mention how uh, how Xander at one point when he's getting ready makes like a really bad joke with Buffy about how well he's got like fifteen minutes Ugh. like they can still get lucky and I'm like oh, just yeah. because you're not oh. married yet doesn't mean you can <laughs> f other people like that's not how yeah. relationships work yeah. and so uh, you were saying how like the uncle's like embarrassing and I was like Xander was embarrassing <laughs> in that moment like I was like gross yeah it's a bad joke I mean I'm always joking but like still like it's not funny. Yeah, especially when you know that Xander did pine for her for a long time. I was going to say, they always had that. um, That's like a, that is a constant though with Xander. Because I think, isn't it in season four when he's like giving her this like rousing speech and he's like, yeah, so get with it. Avengers assemble. Yeah. And then also right after that, he says like, oh, sometimes when I'm alone, I think about what Buffy would be doing. And it's like, oh God, did you have to? (laughs) Yeah, because he's like, I think what would Buffy do? And then it's like, what's Buffy wearing? Yeah, that's how he ruins it. Yeah. So there's like things like that. And I feel like, and Kirsten, I think you might have said it in an earlier episode that almost weirdly almost endeared me is that like Buffy and Willow kind of treat Xander like he's their kid brother. So like, I don't think they Mm -hmm. ever like the stupid things he does, they recognize, but I think it's like, oh, but like we love him and he's part of the family. But I don't think I don't think they're not knowing it's stupid, right? Like, I think they're very aware of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) It is weird that 
both of his scenes, both with Buffy and with Willow, triangulate themselves around discussions of possible sex with each other. That's true. Willow's scene is also about the formal wear thing and about her being gay. And it's like, for some reason, this is the way both these women are interacting with Xander on his wedding night, on his wedding day. The it's Willow thing is like, I guess I'm glad we can joke about how you guys cheated on Cordelia <laughs> and Oz that one time. <laughs> well, they're not really friends with them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Great, right? But I... <laughs> It has that scene has one of my favorite scene like traits of straight people pretending to be gay where they whisper a little when they say gay like she's a little scared of saying the word good thing I'm gay it's a- <laughs> Also, there will never be a good moment for me to mention this, but I hate Willow's hair in this episode so no, much. No, I like those little flowers. They're cute. Oh, no. <laughs> I do. I, it feels like she has, I, I love her, God bless her, but it looks like it's not even washed. Like, I don't understand if it's, maybe it's the color green is like washing her out. I'm green not sure. Green is not her color. Yeah, I guess. So. Ian, did you cackle because of how often I wash my hair? Because I thought that that's what that cackle was for. <laughs> no, I did not, Kim. <laughs> Or how not often I should have said. Uh, Kim taught me the power of not having to wash your hair every day when we were in high school. <laughs> uh, but uh, so I, I actually I don't mind the Willow joke because I, for me, that feels like I don't know. In my head, I was like, did Kim and I make? At least it's a yeah. Callback. I was like, did Kim and I make these jokes? Like we might have made those jokes. I remember it reminded me. This isn't the same, but it reminded me. So when. I'll tell this story since whatever. Uh, but Kim, I think you'll appreciate it. When we were, when when Kim's like wedding party photos were being taken, we were on the beach, right? Oh, yeah. And so her and her husband went to take, they took like the bride and groom photos. And then they had her husband take the groomsmen's photos. And she took the photos with her bridesmaids. So everyone thought I was the groom, everyone on the beach. <laughs> and everyone kept being like, congratulations, you beautiful couple. And Jim kept trying to explain. She'd be like, no, no, no. And I'd be like, thank you. <laughs> like... but if you have it as the willow beat which i agree is fine like it is and it is a an interesting mirror to that the previous scene then don't do it with the buffy scene you know like i just i don't i don't need it for both times especially since poor sarah michelle geller i mean they're both struggling with that scene but she has to like play like she's crying while this guy (laughs) is saying very creepy things also strange again uh, talking about the script it's how long it takes for willow to even talk to xander despite being his best man yeah she's his best man and Yeah. yeah like it's, but I, I still like that scene. But yeah, this is what I'm saying about the way that you know it. See, it's like this is not how a wedding goes. <laughs> you know, like there, it seems like there's just a bunch of people hanging out in a room, and then we're getting ready, and they seem to be getting ready really close, and the right people aren't in the right rooms. Right. <laughs> Buffy's supposed to be keeping uh, Xander's dad from getting drunk, but she's not doing that. But like. She does. I like when she like politely pulls him away yeah. and then like threatens him. Like that part is great. <laughs> yeah. Mazel tov. It's really actually really funny. <laughs> but wait, so, yeah. so after the Willow and Xander scene, she says like she, what did she say? Like the wedding can't start without him. Willow leaves by saying the wedding can't start without mm-hmm. you to Xander. Uh, and then we cut to Anya and Tara in her, in the like bride suite and we get another glimpse of her vows and we're going to have another reading of that scene. And for this reading, I have YouTube heartthrob couples playing Anya, I have Alistair Patton. And playing Tara, we have Zachary Garcia. Yay. I, Anya, promise to cherish you. You, no, not cherish you. Uh, I promise to have sex with you whenever I want. And uh, 
a pleasure to be your friend and your wife and your confidant and your sex poodle. Uh, sex poodle? Yeah, why? Um, I'm not sure you should say sex poodle in your vows. Huh. Music. They're playing the music. This is it. And I love that she says sex poodle because <laughs> because that's the only time when I'm like, no, Tara, she can say whatever she wants in her vows. <laughs> Let her say sex poodle. Yeah. <laughs> and I just think that's it's cute. It's like one of her shorter ones. But like she says, like, take care of her heart. And he doesn't take care of her goddamn heart. No. <laughs> no, he does not. <sighs> um, but then, then Buffy... Then Willow rushes, like immediately Willow rushes in to tell Buffy that Xander's gone and that Buffy has to stall, which one I would have been like, what? I have to stall? Like, I, wh- what do you do at a wedding to stall? Which is funny because then Buffy also doesn't know what to do because she goes in and has a talk with Anya that we're also going to have a reading of. Playing Buffy will be Big Brother Season 20 house guest. Angela Rockstar. And doing Anya will be the first openly gay porn star, Pro Bottom. Ty Mitchell. And go. Uh, hey, sorry about that. Um, there's just going to be a little bit of a delay. Why? What's wrong? Nothing. Nothing's wrong. It's just, um, it, the, the minister, he had, uh, to go and perform an emergency C-section. A C-section? Yeah, you know, he's uh, not just a minister, he's uh, a doctor. You know, he's half minister, half doctor. He's a, a, a minister. Not, of course, to be confused with a minotaur, because he's all, you know, man, this doctor, minister man, no, no bull parts whatsoever. Uh-huh. So it it should be just a couple of minutes. Okay. <clears throat> okay. For the last time, I, Anya, want to marry you, Xander, because I love you and I'll always love you. And before I knew you, I was like a completely different person. Not even a person, really. And I had seen what love could do to people, and it was hurt and sadness. Alone was better. And then suddenly there was you, and you knew me. You saw me, and it was this thing. You make me feel safe and warm. So I get it now. I finally get love, Xander. I really do. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> 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 Ty, that was so good. <laughs> and I love that she tells Anya that he's also a doctor. And Anya kind of just accepts it. She's like, oh, that's really selfish of him. And then she like keeps going. She's like, all right. <laughs> yeah, then she's just mad about that. Um, and then we, we see the antsy crowd. I actually really like the De Hoffren and Halfrek when she, he's like, see, of course, then this is ruined because in season seven, he kills Halfrek. But I like him saying like, 
Mm-hmm. He, and he does, like you said, Anthony, I think gay dad is very appropriate because he says, I'm worried about Anya. Like, and he is. And then Halfrek's like, yeah. oh, of course, because she's your favorite. And he's like, I love all my demons equally, which is like me talking about all the Scooby. <laughs> but it's clearly not true. <laughs> but it's not true because Anya yeah. is his favorite. It's not true. You, you, you Demons, children, books, whatever, you never love them all equally. Kirsten. <laughs> I do like that there seems to be a third uh, vengeance demon at yeah, the party yeah. that we never hear from. She's like in the crowd. She gets punched. She's yes. in the mix during the fight, but yeah. apparently. Yeah, she does. Some <laughs> guy punches her. I'm like, Jesus. Oh because God. she's a demon, it's okay, I guess. Because that's like the, a clear shot. You see this guy punch a woman. The and first like pan okay. away shot of the bra and it's just him punching her in the face like, Jesus. Uh, um. I love how bad at lying Buffy is under pressure. Yes. Like, it's terrible. That would be you, Kim. <laughs> if that, I wrote that down. I said, she's yeah. a Capricorn, right? Because I have a Capricorn moon and rising. Um, so she's I wonder if it's like a Capricorn thing. Yeah. She has to keep a secret identity and lie so much. And yet she's the worst liar. Yeah. I really, I'm really charmed by it. One of my favorite Buffy lines is when that guy thinks she's there for a rave. And she's like, it's my turn <laughs> to bring the bunt cake. <laughs> I like yeah. when she's a little weirdo. Uh-huh. Actually, I love I love her performance throughout this episode. Like yes. when she's trying to juggle, like <laughs> there's something very job. charming yeah. about Buffy. Like, and she's, I think what yeah, she's, she's doing, succeeding at juggling. Yeah, <laughs> and the charades is she miming a minotaur in the charades? I don't know. Is that what she's being? Oh, maybe <laughs> she, she did say minotaur. Oh, okay. One of my favorite lines though, and it's such an Anya line, is when she decides she's just gonna go. They don't need the minister. She says, "Why couldn't you have just told her to hold it in?" <laughs> 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 that is the greatest thing to come out of Buffy's weird lies. Anya complaining that the woman couldn't have just held it in. <laughs> uh, so then we, so the fight breaks out. I kind of like the shot of Buffy just like she's panicking because, right, she's putting so much effort into this fake line that she doesn't know what to do about the fight, even though she's literally the superhero of the show mm-hmm. and could probably drop everyone in that room. And she's just like, like, all the demons yeah, know that, right? right? They all know this. <laughs> They they know this right. like Xander's parents and family don't know obviously because they're oblivious but like all of Anya's friends and quote unquote right. family they know who Buffy yeah, is and that's such a that's like another huge missed opportunity of this episode is you have this huge gathering of demons have demons we've already seen have it be incredibly awkward with Buffy being in formal wear next to them and being like hey. Because the yeah. last time they met, she was right. beating the tar yes. out of them or something. You know, like there was a lot of potential for humor and awkwardness that that didn't get explored in favor of like Uncle Rory. <laughs> uh, yeah. So <laughs> then I actually like this dawn scene of her flirting with like the yes, heartthrob like porn. Yeah, Kim. In my notes, I put this would be yeah. me and Kim. Yeah. Like we find like <laughs> the one like ooh, like bad other like bad boy who has like fucking horns. <laughs> Dawn should have dated Demon Boy. Honestly, he all around. Although he bailed on her completely. <laughs> yeah, because like I feel like poor Dawn. It's like she says the wrong thing at exactly the wrong moment, and Anya's like, "Xander, what? He left?" And it's like, "Oh god!" And then the guy's like, "Well, peace." Uh, and Dawn doesn't even get to like kiss this like cute. Teen demon she's flirting with. <laughs> yeah, he's a catch I mean, to here. your metaphor, Ian, like that would have been the guy that we would have been, you know, all into. Yeah. So, God. Uh, and then, so I, a uh, thing I wanted to point out when the fight breaks out, I never noticed this before, but Halfred and Dehoffrin don't move. They're sitting in their seats. Br- literally, there's a clip of both of them brushing their shoulders. Like they're annoyed the fight's happening, which I like <laughs> because that also feels on character. Like that feels on brand for both of them. 
that they'd be like, oh, everyone here is an idiot. Whatever. <laughs> I love Dehoffrin. He's like one of my favorite characters. It's on the weird whole show. to think of he's in almost every season, but maybe has 10, maybe 15 yeah. minutes altogether of like dialogue slash screen time. He's such an amazing presence. And like, we're left to infer so much about him. Yeah. I just really No, I like, like him, him too. Um, <laughs> I mean, I wish he hadn't murdered Helfreck, but yes. <laughs> um, but we're not there yet. So then she meets the demon. We learn that it's someone that she had cursed, right? And Kirsten, I'm curious your specific thoughts on this because I understand that they're on purpose, making it be like Anya doesn't even remember him. He doesn't even matter. But then the other part of me is like, no, but it should have been something that was important. Yeah, well, in my notes, I say I feel like Anya was a really bad demon. Um, it seems like all of her vengeancey things that she does <laughs> just just really <laughs> bad for her in the end. Like the whole troll thing coming back to haunt her, um, you know. So, yeah, I, I do feel like it, it is it is double sided because I do like. That he's like, I have based my entire life around getting revenge against you and you right. don't even remember me. And But also, it's the same thing, you know, we've had with the rest of this episode. But I wanted it to tie more into everything. But they never gave Anya very much of, like, you never saw much of her history or her past. Like, she would tell anecdotes, but they were never very specific. Um, so they really hadn't laid the groundwork for that, which is unfortunate because I feel like it could have been a really great moment um, if maybe we had had a little bit more time with her as a vengeance demon yeah. on the show, but we only ever knew her as not True. a vengeance demon. So, um, yeah. So I don't know. Like I'm, I, I agree. I think it is really great. It is, it is kind of like a, a great moment emotionally when he's like, you don't even right. remember what you did to me. And she, and this, the fact that she has this very complicated past now has caught up to her in ways that she never would have expected. You know what would have made it better is if she had sent this guy, she'd banished him to the world with nothing but shrimp. That would have been, that would have been worth it, honestly. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I don't know. I, for me, I go back and forth with that because I, like we got that so often on Angel where it's like, Angel doesn't even remember this person. And like, the only time that has actually landed for me was in Avengers Endgame when Thanos doesn't remember Scarlet Witch. And she he's like, I don't even know who you are. And she's like, you will. That's the only time something like that has worked for me to be like, but it's a character we know that knows him, but he doesn't remember her. That's like. Yeah. When that happened in Angel, that was because of magic. <laughs> was it? That's why. I just feel like there's no, at a script level, there's no prestige to this moment. Like there's no like, ta-da. Yeah. Like we mm -hmm. knew... Like, right. we knew that wasn't Xander. Partly, I feel like that's, you could have made it more believably that it was a future Xander. I mean, the show has never done time travel before that I can think of. Um, but we not just that he's miscast, but also, like, when we see him appear, it's like this hellfire explosion. It's like, there's right. nothing, like, sci-fi or positive about it. It's like literal cartoon flames when he appears. Yeah. And then he's a random guy. And there's never a twist. Like... You could have made it that actually this was Dehoffrin yeah. trying to sabotage her wedding. And that would have felt like in character and been like a neat final beat. And then you you then you kind of get away with it being a random guy. Because maybe he's a random right, guy right. that Dehoffrin let out. And then you can like have it play behind the scenes. But instead it's just like he's a random who Xander kills, <laughs> which is very troubling to me. Like, uh, he's not yeah. actually like that much of a physical threat. He just murders him. No, and... Um, and you have an entire room of people who are convinced that the people who are there who look weird are circus people. 
They're all fighting each other, but then Xander straight up kills one and they <laughs> clap. Yeah. Yeah. What? I hadn't even thought about yeah. that aspect, Kirsten. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They have already established if someone here looks weird, it's because they're a circus performer. So the entire room watches Xander murder someone and they're like, yeah, <laughs> right, let's get on with it. Like, to be fair, I hate weddings. So I would have been like, yeah, kill him. Let's move on. But <laughs> that would have been a cool thing to see at a wedding, honestly. And I guess maybe it was some kind of circus show, maybe. which brought them together with their their circus family. Now. I, I do like Willow has the like, is anybody else waiting for it to go poof? I, I thought that was like a cute line. And before, uh, wait, because we're past it now, Buffy, when she rips her dress to, like, fight the demon, I thought that was a good touch. I wanted to add that. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do like that. I, I do like yeah. Buffy, like, because then she's like, oh, excuse me, because she goes to get the, like, uh, what is it to choke him with? The, like, curtain or whatever? Yeah, the random It's veil a veil. The, the bison oh, is wearing right, a veil because they're right. at a... Yeah, <laughs> they're at a bison watch. So she was probably pantomiming a bison and not a miniature. Oh, <laughs> oh that's right. Yeah. There is a lot of there is a lot of horned imagery in this episode. Well, it is Xander, so it's appropriate that it's horned. Mm, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, because I'm the only person on Earth who will care. This is the episode where we learn Xander is Episcopalian. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> yeah. I think has strange resonances and doesn't like I've never the way he says ma is very not Episcopalian but whatever it's a, a useful little tidbit all right, all right. <laughs> someone out there cares <laughs> this is for you other person <laughs> this is for you anime avatar and Anthony's mentions <laughs> um yeah I so then uh then I hate the rest of the I, the rest of the episode I just so Xander pulls her aside or she pulls him aside to say like oh it was fake it's no big deal I can remember the first time I watched this episode thinking, oh, he's not going to, like, you can tell by his face that he's not going to do it. And I remember being like, no, 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 no. Like, you got to do this, dude. Like, don't leave her at the altar. That is unforgivable. And why and did you why? even come back then? <laughs> it feels like that should have been a talk immediately. And also, like we yeah. said, he he grew up with a slayer and a witch as his best friend. Wouldn't he have consulted one of them about what was going on? Wouldn't he consult anyone? Jesus. When when Anya tells him it was all lies and he says, it doesn't matter now. All I can think yeah. is, it does matter, you <laughs> stupid like the whole idiot. Point. Yeah, and it totally negates the amazing end of the previous episode where they're mm -hmm. like, the wedding doesn't matter. The marriage is going right. to be great. Like, anyway, yeah. He just, it just, yeah, I feel like nothing about this was earned. It was the laziest, cheapest possible way to create pain and drama. Mm -hmm. And like, and I hate it. I hate it when writers are like, well, happy relationships aren't interesting. Yeah. And like, I disagree. Happy relationships might be more challenging to make interesting. You have to work a little bit harder, but like, I, I, I don't agree. And I think that, I think that seeing Xander and Anya married and the challenges that that would have brought... And the tension of, like, mm -hmm. he needs to be loyal to her first and foremost, but, you know, he's still a Scooby, and, like, where is that yes. line? Like, I feel like they could have done a lot there, but they were like, no, pain! <laughs> and, uh, yeah, whatever. Also, like, they're not, an ama they're not like, a major support strut for the show's drama, right? Like, no. The idea mm -hmm. that, like, we need a tortured Xander is not important no, to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. No, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because they both kind of flounder as characters after this anyway. So what was the point of separating That is them? my biggest issue, is that there was never... I know that we, all of us, don't love, like, doing something to someone's partner as impetus. Like, is that like a, oh, well, now that's why, like, you know, they fridge Tara and Willow becomes evil, but... 
and not that I'm defending the death of Tara, but like at least like that was a clear the writers were like we're killing her. No, I heard you. You just defended the death of Tara. Everyone, <laughs> <laughs> <Stop happening. laughs> you love that. You love the death. Of Tara. You love it. <laughs> no, don't bully me in my own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, you could see that the writers clearly knew exactly what they were, like, they knew what they were going for with that. This, why not just keep them married? We have one more season of this show, and neither of those characters do anything for that last season. So, I I just think it doesn't, and you know, they they do eventually, like, hook up again at the end of season seven, but it's like, I don't know. Yeah, it's so mean, because then she dies two episodes later, and it's just, like, completely meaningless. Or just, like, keep them engaged for a long time. You don't have to get married immediately after you get right. engaged. And like I said, there's only one yeah. more season of the show. Yeah, so sure. It's not like there was, like, ten more seasons. And it could have been really interesting if something had happened to trigger Anya becoming a vengeance demon again when they were yes. married. Like, how is... And, and that could have introduced interesting tension because, you know, that was always who she was. She just wasn't able to express it. Can Xander deal with the fact that she she has that power again and like i feel like they, there were a lot of ways they could go with it they went for the like easiest most like dramatic painful whatever um and yeah and i don't feel like it was fair to either of yeah. the characters like i feel like it was it was a, for both of their characters like whatever issues i have with xander he you know he does love yes. these women and he does respect these women and like and to have him do this was just eh. yeah, yeah. I, that's for me the biggest thing is that he does love Anya and this makes it feel like he's unsure yeah. if he loves her and it I, yeah. I don't think that was ever I think sometimes sure this is my first viewing of season six where I think that him being annoyed at things was supposed to be maybe he's anxious about the wedding like I think maybe that's what but it always just felt like oh he's annoyed but like he loves her so it's fine um, yeah. and that's always yeah. how they read. And I kind of like that. And like you said, Kirsten, I, we don't need everyone to be miserable for them to be interesting. I, I would have liked to see them be like a y- very young couple that's navigating this and like making it work, you know, like we only had one more season. We didn't mm-hmm. need everyone to be miserable going into yeah. season seven. Yeah. And I just, Emma Caulfield's face, like it hurts my heart watching Anya when she realizes she's not going to convince him to do it. And she just like turns around and they start playing that music and uh And also Xander leaves her and then lets her yeah. go up while she's bleeding <laughs> from a wound yeah. and tell everyone that it's not gonna happen while he walks out. Like, yeah. come on. Her walking down the aisle, I'm like, where is Emma Caulfield's Emmy for this episode? <laughs> Seriously. She's yeah. so good. She's so I mean, yeah, it's like it, she she definitely does the work, right? Like she she breaks your heart. But I just, it just is feels so cruel. And then we yeah. get, then we get, so then we cut to the Scoobies. I felt like I needed them to be mm-hmm. a little more mad at Xander. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. When, when Willow says, I feel like I should be hating Xander. And you're like, yeah, you should be. Yes. <laughs> I feel like they were mostly in shock. But of course, as we know, it really doesn't right. do anything after that, that would say they sh- they're mad at Xander. They yeah. should be honestly. Like I get that Xander's their best friend. So they're not going to like stop being his friend, but like they could still be mad yeah. at him. Yeah. They could try to talk yeah. to him or something, right. you know, be yeah. like-, like your friends do dirtbag things. You acknowledge that they're dirtbag things. You still love them. They're still your friends, but you're going to, you're going to like, they're going to, there's going to be a little <laughs> bit of fallout, right? Like I would like yeah. to think any one of you would be like, Ian, what are you doing? If, like, I did something <laughs> shitty like this. 
<laughs> if you left Anya at the altar. Like, Ian, you're gay, so what were you doing marrying her in the first place? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I would definitely marry Anya. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> if she would have me, oh my God, Anthony. are you kidding? Yeah. Uh, and then, then we get Anya's, I do like, I mean, they do nothing with it, but I do like it that she goes back to Dahafrin. And mm-hmm. he is, he does love Anya. He does. He cares. She is his favorite and he does love her. And he says he's sorry. Yeah. And he's like, she, he domesticated, like he says, I'm sorry first. And then he does the like, that man was no good for you thing. Right. And mm-hmm. I do appreciate that for as much as I can when I'm already like upset and crying because poor Anya. But I'm like, all right. And I remember thinking that she was gonna, I think at the time I thought maybe she would join forces with the trio, which oh God, she never would. She would be so done with them immediately no. <laughs> but yeah i i thought that they were gonna make her like a bad guy and i remember being worried mm-hmm. like i w- i was worried that like she was gonna become a bad guy and they were gonna have to kill her like kind of with angel like i thought that's what was gonna happen well it kind of is that is the payoff for the beginning of season seven right yeah, like, yeah. the the selfless which is one of my favorite Barely a payoff yeah. i i was gonna say the only the only thing that raises this episode at all in my estimation is selfless because yeah. that's such a phenomenal episode and it's such a great deep dive, deep dive into who Anya was. And you realize like, you know what? Maybe she shouldn't have been getting married, yeah. but too little. It's like a things. retroactive fix actually yeah. of this episode yeah. because it that the even the which apparently Drew Goddard fought for, the moment where it flashes back to the musical episode. And we see her yeah. in the dress, right? And it's this dress, yes. and she's like that. Mm-hmm. He, that that gives a reason that actually we should be glad this wedding didn't happen when this episode doesn't give it to us, yeah. right? Like yeah. it doesn't I, give us a beat that. I mean, I also love that. I've been thinking like, why do I think of DeHoffren as a gay dad? And I think that's why. It's like mm-hmm. he he actually is fighting on behalf of like this daughter and like these shitty men who are treating her like garbage. Like I see, I think. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I I think that while it is it is it does make make selfless does make it make more sense that they shouldn't have gotten married. It's still, I mean, I know none of you are saying that, but I for me it just like it still doesn't make it worth it that he would leave her at the altar. Like it's like no. oh we have a conversation yeah. about it, and that's when we're like hey we're not really yeah. ready, and that's okay. You go right. to therapy. <laughs> if the if the characters on Buffy went to therapy, <laughs> yeah. But like we can simultaneously feel like Anya deserves better and does need space to discover herself and also still be really mad that this didn't work out because like you can get married and still yeah. discover who you yes. are as a person after. I say having gotten married two weeks after I turned 19. Uh, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> like, yeah, I've been married for 17 years. and Which is um, not that different from their ages here. No, no, yeah, not at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you can absolutely grow into a person on your own as part of a marriage, but yeah, yeah, you know, they they weren't interested yes, in telling that, that story, right? So. That's another weird thing because it's like they are pushing that like, oh, you're not you if you're getting married, and like that's not mm-hmm. really true. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, that's true for some couples that like are annoying and don't function. I mean, we all know those couples that like we hate hanging out with because they're not fun to hang out with. Yeah. but that's not who Anya and Xander are. I don't know. I don't know, but okay. Yeah. Well, I guess we're at the end. <laughs> What is our favorite outfit, Anthony? Oh, I get to go first, which means I get to say the dress. <laughs> the dress is so good. The the um, I mean, obviously, I love the bridesmaids' dresses, but the wedding dress is gorgeous. Apparently, it was a five thousand oh, dollar really? gown. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. It's really beautiful. And she looks, I mean, she must have not eaten for weeks <laughs> before this, but yeah. it is a gorgeous object. <laughs> and apparently they had to like put it in storage for selfless. Oh, really? The same dress again, yeah. And I don't know how they shot around the, the blood, but she really does look stunning in a kind of 2000s way. <laughs> like the hair is very yeah. of the moment, but mm-hmm. yeah. love the dress. Yep. And the veil is so high drama. Too. Yes, I love I, the veil. it's funny because I was going. Mm. That's why I paused for a second. So I was like, "Am I just going to say I know we're all picking the wedding dress, or do I let <laughs> us say the wedding dress?" Yes, I also the wedding. Me too for the wedding dress. Uh, Kim. Yeah. I also, like yeah. I looked. I was like, "Are there other good outfits like besides the dress?" Like I was. I knew that that was this was going to be a question, and like the no, that there's not. <laughs> that's the best dress. That's the best outfit. <laughs> There's some background demons suits that sure, I would yeah. like to get a better look at. Like there's some mustards and some greens that I'm like, hmm, I'd like to see what that looks like. I'm a little disappointed in Clem, to be honest. I feel mm-hmm. like he has not yet cemented yeah. into being their like kooky gay uncle yet. Yeah, no. but not, not with his like very weird like tan skin that's like the same color. Um, Kirsten? Uh, I mean, we've already covered the wedding dress. I do love how hard they went with the bridesmaids dresses for the for the joke aspect of it. And you know, having been been a bridesmaid once, I, I still resent the dress that I had to wear, but I had to pay for. So, yeah, I you know the wedding dress obviously is top, but but the bridesmaids dresses wave a fantastic visual gag, and whoever. In the costume department, had to had to sew those. You know, I was I was thinking about that. I was like, I wonder if they created them for this, or they found really ugly dresses. Oh, they absolutely had to, and you can even tell, like with the stitching, like it. Those were those were hand sewn, like sewn on a machine for a pattern. Those were not purchased. Um, Do women have to buy their bridesmaids dresses? Yes. Oh, see, that's yeah. That yep. must be the real twist of the knife when it's an ugly so gown. you get to buy a hideous dress that doesn't fit well that you will literally never wear again. So you can stand in somebody else's line. <laughs> Clearly, you know, 18 years on, I'm still bitter. Um, Latoya, I don't think I asked. Did I ask you yet, Latoya? Your favorite outfit? No, you did not. Uh, besides, <laughs> besides the wedding dress, obviously, I'm gonna go with Buffy's uh, "I Survived" T-shirt at the end of the episode with a demon oh, on it. I'm yeah. curious about this yeah. T-shirt. Oh, I didn't notice that. Um, all right. So, favorite scene. My favorite scene is Anya's first reading of her vows. I just love it, and I love at the moment. I mean, right now, it's not that big of a deal, but for me, it was such a big deal watching this very excited ex-demon on her wedding day, having her two lesbian friends button up her dress. And it was just like a very cute, nice yeah. moment. I don't know. I love that moment. Um, Kim, what's your favorite moment? Your favorite scene? I like when Buffy like politely pulls aside Mr. Harris, like <laughs> oh, you know, um, and then like you know threatens him. Like I thought that was a good because I was like, oh, that's really nice of her to be being so nice to him because he's just a jerk. And I'm like, oh wait, no, yeah, she's not gonna take it, and that's why we love her. <laughs> uh, Kirsten. Uh, the Spike and Buffy scene, I just, they both kill it. It's such a great moment between them. Um, and yeah, I, I love that scene. That's one of my favorite Spike and Buffy scenes probably hmm. ever. Um, Latoya? I, I think I have to go with the Spike and Buffy scene too. I think it's very good about showing, you know, this is obviously Spike. The thing with Spike was that he can have like this uh, emotional maturity, but of course the, the thing that is the... The hindrance for everything is the fact that he's a demon, which we know. Mm-hmm. We know how that ends up in this season. So, um, Anthony? Yeah, I mean, I do feel like I really, I'm like live, sitting here 
horrified imagining someone doing this to something I wrote, like picking it apart the way (laughs) 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 which is why I always feel weird about being on episodes that I don't particularly care for. And I feel like I'm piling on by also picking the Spike and Buffy scene. Um, But it is really the only scene where characters are saying more than just what they're saying, you know, Mm -hmm. like every other beat. Mm -hmm. And that's not really to critique the depth of the rest of the script because it is it is a script that is aiming for shtick and for camp. Um, But that is the one moment where it stops and two people are having a semi honest conversation Mm -hmm. whose contours we can see maybe even past what they can see. And I'm not usually a person who even actually likes Spike and Buffy as a couple, but I feel like that's a really human, really well observed scene. Yep. I'll say that scene's also the happiest Buffy is all season. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I noticed that. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> we, yeah. This is like literally just some water in a desert is what this scene is. <laughs> and it's a nice payoff to like to clarify that it really was a toxic relationship, right? Like yeah. she actually is thriving outside of it. And as much as she can wish him well, she is measurably and noticeably happier and more well-adjusted beyond it, right? Which makes what happens next even yeah. worse. Yeah, yeah, and it's such like a it's such like a growth moment for him because he's he can see that she's happy and he's yeah. glad that she's happy. Yes, he's not a dick about it. He yeah. genuinely, yeah, he genuinely means it when he says it's nice to see you happy, even just for yeah. them. Like yeah. he means it. So um, now we're gonna grade the episode. Latoya, what grade do you give the episode? Huh? There's a there's a honking car. Sorry, in the background now, <laughs> uh, but. I'm going to have to give this episode oof, a C for all of the reasons listed throughout this entire <laughs> podcast episode. All uh, right. Uh, Kirsten? An F. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> I know. Usually I'm the like hard A minus. Um, and, and I'm with you, Anthony. I hate talking about things that I don't like. I would always rather talk about things that I like. And I think... The reason why I dislike this episode so much is because I love Buffy so much as a whole. The writing is always so good and it's such a phenomenal show. This is this has consistently been one of the only episodes and the only plot points where I'm like, that was 100% inarguably the wrong choice. So... I'm sorry, writers. You guys are phenomenal. <laughs> the show is fantastic. You blew it on this one. <laughs> I'm also going to change my grade to C minus, actually. All right. Kirsten, I love what a, like, fair, I feel like you can, you sometimes combine, like, fair mom and fair, like, business person together, where you're like, I love the show, but. Honey, I love you so much. I'm very disappointed in your choices today, yeah. but I believe in you as a person, and so we're just going to move on from this and make better choices moving forward. Yeah, I have two. Kim, what grade do you give it? I'm going to give it a D plus because I feel like, you oh, know, shit. it's like God. one of those things probably where I knew I'd be being too nice if I gave it a C minus, even though I like the student slash the, you know, show um, and I want them to do well. But with like a D plus, like you, you can rebound, like you can still you can still pass the class. You're not you're not failing, but you messed up. All right. Um, Anthony, what grade do you give it? Oh, man, I'm really I feel like if this were a student's paper. I would write see me on it. Like, like, I feel like that's my grade because I I think that a a lot of Kirsten's points are the ones I would make that like, I don't understand. Usually I try to grade based on like, what were you trying to accomplish and did you accomplish it? And part of me is like, 
what actually were you trying to accomplish with this episode is not clear mm-hmm. to me. And that's the problem. Like part of me does feel like if if I sucked the air out of this and if it was like 10 minutes faster <laughs> and like it was delivered at a Gilmore Girls pace, would it actually be quite effective? Would it actually be shtick that drops the trapdoor out from under me at the end? And it's like, oh shit, I thought I was watching a zany madcap episode that ended up breaking my heart. And I can imagine actually a version of this script that doesn't change too much that might work that way in an editing room, but I'm not <laughs> sure. So I, it does fail and I'm not sure if it's fixable. I would say I would never do this beat of this story the way they try to do it here, but... Yeah, I feel like I feel like it it fails, but I'm not. I still don't know if I understand why. Uh, I'm going to change my grade to a D, <laughs> and also say that bringing up the Gilmore Girls fast pacedness, uh, we discussed you know the scene where Dawn's going around and and everyone yeah. seeing everyone. That should have been zippier. Everything was really slow. It's a really yeah. big bottle episode, which we didn't discuss at all. But it's it's a bottle episode, and it's not particularly good it ones. Is. <laughs> Uh, just for the sake of saying it, I think this might be the only episode that adheres to the classical unities. It's set in one place over 24 hours with one plot. And it's the only Buffy episode that does that. Oh, God, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> God, you all are so harsh. I I said that. <laughs> Ian, I said the, you have to. You have to give it a little grade. I said the beginning would have been a like flat B for me most of the episode. A B? <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, it would have wait so most of the episode would have been a b for me but then we get to the end and then i go down to c minus um because yeah i just i hate that ending can you include the flash forward in your c minus because that part's terrible because he should have known that that dude was someone that anya had vengeance like there's no reason he didn't know that someone that anya that part gets an f can't even say her name right (laughs) i have harnessed it by magics oh man so bad Should have should have had you do a reading so of him, uh, Anthony. <laughs> oh god! Oh, now I know who the old the old guy seems like. Um, the old guy from the season six Halloween, Halloween episode. That's yeah. what it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah he does. That's that guy had a bit like. more of a. He that guy had a bit more of a fruitier energy mm-hmm. though. Like dun, <laughs> da, dun, da, 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 you know, like he had yeah. a bit more. <laughs> I was like, I believe he was he was Xander before this. Guy. <laughs> um, and uh, what does everyone else think? This is Emily Nussbaum. You know, this episode is kind of a bummer episode, and I had mildly bad memories of it, but I actually found it funnier than I recalled. I mean, my main problem with it is that I felt like the emotional logic of um, of Xander doing this wasn't quite there because they hadn't really built up, despite hints, his sense of doubt about himself and the abusiveness of his family, and it was all sort of thrown in there in this big salad of wedding jokes and activities. But I, when I resaw it, um, I actually found it a little more convincing and emotionally resonant than um, I remembered, uh, mostly because I love Anya so much. I just think she gives a wonderful performance, and it's genuinely moving, and it's also kind of great that the solution is, you know, karmic, because she has caused somebody else suffering, and he's trying to cause her suffering, but you still sympathize with her. And the um, the thing of her repeating the vows is really sweet. I also really love that song, um, Mrs., that was cut from um, from uh, the musical episode. And I, now that I've seen that, I connect it with this episode. I think it gives it this underlining. And I love the ending where 
you know, I just love that guy who's always bringing her back to Mika. You know, he's always offering people his amulet. I mean, I, I still think my concerns about Xander's motivation and the convincingness of this, it's just such a cartoonish scenario that he's shown. And the notion that after all of the stuff they've been through that he just flips like that, I don't buy it. But it, it actually did remind me of a friend of mine who once got so mad, he had a dream that his husband was mean to him and he was mad at him for like a week. <laughs> so maybe I'm just not giving Xander enough credit for irrationality. <laughs> you know, some of the stuff kicks in and some of the stuff doesn't. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a reasonably funny episode. It's not, it's not bad, but it's just that because the underlying click of the plot term doesn't quite land it's all dependent upon your sadness for anya and actually that part works all right and uh what grade would you give it uh i hate grade <laughs> i give it a, a, a b a b plus i don't know hey it's a uh, j.e reich um so this episode like hell's bells just each and every time breaks my heart <sighs> There are, there's a lot that I find problematic with it, problematic in just like a narrative sense. Um, we do get like foreshadowing that uh, this uh, breakup will inevitably happen uh, and that it's prob- going to be obviously in the most dramatic way possible because weddings, obviously. I don't think, I still don't feel like there was like enough. I don't think that it was emphasized like the, I guess like what Xander is going through in terms of like his own internal crisis over uh, commitment and sort of uh, setting a real course for his life in some way, shape or form uh, affects him. I don't think we get the sense that it affects him as much as it apparently does in this episode. Um, So that might ring a little false for me. Um, But, and this is a very rare thing for me to say because I am most decidedly not a fan of Xander. And I have said so many a time on many an episode <laughs> on this podcast. But um, in, even though like the whole like sort of I'm, you know, I'm you in the future and I'm going to show you what your future is going to be like has its own like contrivances that kind of that irk me a little bit. Um, I think what Xander grapples with in terms of possibility of, of turning into his parents is, is very real. Um, I think granted like Xander's parents are really like played up and kind of cartoonish uh, and, and like in terms of like, you know, like the, the stereotypical like alcoholic dad ruining the wedding, um, right. like setting all that aside. Um, I think it's a very, very real thing when we kind of come to realize that our parents are complex and deeply flawed people and that the ways that our parents hurt us in whatever capacity are almost like tailored to do so, tailored exactly to hurt us. Uh, our parents are, are, you know, ostensibly people who, who know us the best. Um, and of course, they know how to hurt us the best. And sort of realizing that uh, you don't want to hurt other people that way. And the people that you love are sort of the people that are you, you have the potential to harm the most. And wanting to protect people from, from that is a very real thing that I think we all go through. I think it's like a more along the lines or it ends up being more along the lines of uh, trying to stop perpetuating a cycle of abuse or a cycle of harmful behavior. And I think I can understand as an adult uh, and definitely understand more since the first time I watched this episode, Xander's thought process and why his actions 
he thinks like from his perspective are 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 in a way like a a very loving act and like it's the the most he could ever do for Anya I think he's not right in that interpretation but I think those feelings are 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 what we all feel at one point or another and uh what grade do you give it I would give it uh you know what I'm gonna give it a b plus Emma Caulfield's performance alone really seals the deal. When she walks down the aisle and you see her face and you see like the scratch on her arm and she's like, you know, bloodied and bruised and so openly hurt. I think that's really one of the most striking depictions of what it means to be hurt by love and what it means to have your world fall apart. Hi, this is David Vasquez, Twitter's Discreet Latino. This episode was a weird one. There's a lot of awkward interactions between characters that are both familiar and unfamiliar with each other. As far as, you know, the big goopery that happened, I was, of course, not surprised when I first watched it. Um, As an adult, I am much less surprised. The the writing's always been on the wall that, uh, I mean... Not not even just because of the, you know, the foretelling in the musical episode, because Xander is emotionally immature and he only proposed to Anya when he thought that the world was going to end. And it makes it seem as though he had never really had the intention of marrying her, even though he loved her as much as his little heart could. Um, my grade for the episode would be probably a B minus. Oh, all right. How about you, Ty? What do you think? I, when I first saw this, hated Xander and was like, fuck Xander for leaving her at the altar, completely unacceptable. Anya deserved better the whole time and still deserves better. But when I look at it again, I feel this like weird compassion for Xander because of how fucked up his family is. All right. So I still, so like, I'm kind of thrown off on how I really, like, it's obviously unacceptable, but I feel this like, a little bit of weird sympathy. It's like totally bit different from like the way that like Big leaves Carrie at the altar. And like, there's something a little bit like, there's something there with like learning more about who Xander is and where he comes from. So I feel like more ambivalent than I used to about this. Um, overall, the grade I would give for the episode is like uh, A minus. Cause it's one of those Buffy episodes that like is like I feel undeniably good, but just makes you feel so bad by the end of it <laughs> that like it, it like as opposed to like the more like celebratory and triumphant ones. Fair, fair. Uh, Angela, what great what what are your parting thoughts on this episode? I just I'm I was so touched by her by Anya going through the whole process of trying to get these vows down, and then and then she finally she really comes to a vow that I might copy for my third or fourth marriage. <laughs> um, it's beautiful. And, and then he leaves her and, and just leaves her there. And I mean, oh, it's, <laughs> oh, it's, it's every horrible man that I ever associated <laughs> with wrapped into one. I, oh, Xander, why? Fair. So upsetting. Mm-hmm. What a goof. And what grade do you give it? I, I, you know, I'm going to say a B. Okay. Because I, 
I believe I love happy endings. This was this was not a happy ending, but it was well written. It was good. It it took me a lot of emotional places, but I'm a sap for a happy. So if if they ended up together and had weird little half demon babies, then it would have been like an A plus <laughs> in my book. I'm giving it a B. Fair. <laughs> this is Philip Ellis. Um... So, yeah, I had actually forgotten so much of what happens in this episode, apart from that awful, you know, big kind of reveal at the end. Um, and what it really does... <laughs> <laughs> well, so, and so, yeah, so what Xander does is unforgivable. Uh, he, you know, not just that he leaves her at the altar, but he, that he physically leaves the building and leave, and lets her be the one that has to go and break the news to everybody. So he kind of compounds that humiliation. It's just like, it's absolutely reprehensible. But having said that, I had completely forgotten how utterly awful his family are. And so it's like, it's not really an excuse or justification, but if your sole model for a, a, you know, a a kind of married relationship and and family setup is that uh, abusive pair of alcoholics, it's sort of, it, it kind of informs how trash Xander is throughout the entire series. I think it's quite interesting that that is the only time we ever see his his parents and his family dynamic. And it's like, oh, God, OK, yeah. So like you maybe part of the reason why Xander has these very regressive ideas about women is because he's been internalizing ideas about, you know, what his father and his uncle Rory do and how they treat women. So not that we're letting him off the hook. He's an absolute arsehole. Um, and I just want to say that Anya looks absolutely exquisite in her dress. Right. <laughs> the bridesmaid dresses really are does. so bad, but but the, the the wedding gown and the hair and the veil and everything is just sublime. Ugh, I know. Um, and what grade do you give this episode? I'm giving it an A plus because aside from the devastating oh. ending, it is hilarious. It is especially coming in season six when you've got so much horror to come. It's a really funny episode when you've got Buffy juggling and telling <laughs> jokes and playing charades. Uh, you've got, you know, a little bit of sort of um, just like any any kind of episode of any sitcom when there's a wedding and there's just shenanigans going on. You know, Dawn's flirting with the, the demon teenager and Willow and Tara are kind of, you know, getting closer together again. And then there's like the, the sort of desperate cousin who's kind of uh, eyeing up one of Anya's guests. And it's just like, yeah, it's, there's a lot going on. Um, it's really, really funny until it's really, really devastating. That's really accurate yeah <laughs> hi this is caleb rarig um so here's the deal i watched hell's bells when it first aired and i have to confess i have not watched it since um <laughs> in part because i fucking hate xander harris uh <laughs> and i feel like this episode really vindicated my hatred of xander harris i i i have learned that a lot of in season six i, I remember like watching it at the time I was disappointed in season six, and, and this is in part because I didn't understand back then what they were trying to do with it. Um, prior to that, seasons one through five, Buffy, her universe expanded, and as her universe got bigger, so did the danger. And in season six, all of a sudden, the big bad is adulthood, and all the characters are struggling with being grown-ups, and I didn't get it, and I didn't appreciate it. I get it more now, and I understand the point of this episode, but I just... I just I just hate Xander so much and I feel like there was so much contrivance to the way that he decided that he wasn't ready to marry Anya and I love Anya and she didn't deserve any of this and I kind of just I just okay (laughs) I, I I have very strong feelings about this uh so 
Yeah, so I would say that um, Anya deserved better. I am glad that she did not marry Xander because he did not deserve her. And overall, I'm going to give the episode my because and again, bear in mind, I have not rewatched it. This is my memory of the episode, but I'm going to give it a C plus because I do think that they tackled some serious subject matter, but I was very not pleased with the way that it all turned out. Hey, this is Jason Sully, and we get to talk about Hell's Bells, which is never a fun subject to talk about. Um, I don't know what to say about this episode. One, I think it at least is... Uh, it's very Xander. Like, I, I, I can't say it, it's, it's, it's not expected what he did. And, and, you know, you know, him being challenged. But, but I think my issue is, I feel like this is a consistency in the writing of a lot of male characters is one thing happens and, you know, you know, one thing that goes against the grain and we cry about it. Like, get out of here. Jeez. <laughs> Anya is, Anya's fucking amazing and she deserves none of this, but, um, I think it is, has been said that, you know, Xander doesn't deserve Anya. Um, the one thing I do appreciate though, is just seeing, all the humans and demons together it just does make me happy <laughs> but then the episode does very much go to shit um yeah and i don't know you know as as being someone who does really believe in love and everything i hate seeing that like that like oh if anyone got a glimpse into the future of the bad stuff if that's gonna be what makes you break off anything even if it is fake then don't get married. Get out of here. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, like <laughs> it's, not, it's not all easy peasy. Oh, my God. I, I just can't deal. I, I can't deal with the males sometimes. Um, so anyway, uh, overall, the thing is, like, I, I like to give episodes a strong rating that have a lot of feelings. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of feelings in that episode, so I'd give it a B. Hey there, Scoobies. This is Dana Pickley. And... Hell's Bells. You know, I sometimes struggle to think about Hell's Bells because that episode makes me so sad. Uh, you know, in a show where a lot of really sad things happen, it's particularly sad because of the incredible work that Emma Caulfield does as Anya in that episode, dealing with this incredibly unexpected heartache. Um, and I think for season six, Hell's Bells is like the plateau tipping point of the season. It's after that, everything just starts to crumble. And yeah, you know what I mean? It's it's just this it, it's it's like it's like the 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 rug gets pulled out from underneath everybody in that episode. And suddenly we're on this downward spiral into some of the most painful experiences, especially as queer fans that we have ever had to deal with. What are you talking um, about, in... Dana? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the rest of this season is an absolute shitstorm. <laughs> absolute shitstorm. Um, from what happens with Buffy and Spike to Tara and Willow. Oh my God. It, it, it it's certainly an episode that can be judged on its own merits because, like I said, I think Emma Caulfield just 
just destroys this episode. She's so damn good. And it's one of the the real only times that Anya gets to uh, God, get her, have her, her real say in this drama. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, yeah. Which is funny because it's an episode about her not having a say, right? But, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I think I think it's quite a um, an important episode. Tough to watch, but vital in the Buffy experience. And what grade would you give it? I'm going to give Hell's Bells a B plus okay. because I'd give it a higher grade. But it, like I said, it makes me sad. This is Adam Sass. Um, I don't know. I'm you know not the biggest Xander appreciator, but uh, I think like him and Anya work together as a good dynamic. And once they were broken up, like it just, the, all the magic just like d- evacuated out of the dynamic that they were, they were forming. So, I mean, I kind of liked the drama of like Anya needing to go back to like the dark side, but I felt like they were going in such a good positive direction with her character in a way that to me was very interesting I feel like they didn't maybe need to do this. I would have maybe like threatened to do this like halfway through and then have it ended up. Okay. So not my favorite. I probably would give this, I probably would give this an old B minus, but uh, it would have been a C plus, but I love Anya's hair in this, in her (laughs) wedding dress. This is David Goldberg. And I have to say that Hell's Bells is a consummate season six episode featuring a series high performance by emma caulfield at her very best it's heartbreaking and devastating i give it a b plus well uh i am zach and (laughs) this video uh this this episode was always one of my favorites still is even watching it you know all these years later it's it's a heartbreaking episode i i've never liked xander i always thought xander kind of brought Anya down and anya has finally been able to I don't know. I feel like this is the beginning of Anya coming back into her own. And so it's, it's a, it's a sad episode, but it's a necessary one. All right. And what grade do you give it? I think I would have to give it an A plus. Oh. Yeah. All right. Uh, Alistair Patton. I would have to definitely disagree with my husband. <laughs> I love all Buffy episodes equally, but this one I dislike the most. I would have to say. <laughs> and I think Buffy and uh, sorry, I, I think Anya and Xander were supposed to be that end of the tunnel. There was supposed to be, there should have been a couple that made it out of the series, but there was none. And they were the, they were supposed to be the one. So it just seemed almost out of context for them to create this plot device where they suddenly, you know, separated in order to progress each of their characters. And what grade do you give it? A plus. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it, but it gets an A plus. <laughs> no, fair, it's fair. so well written. I love it. I love all the lines. Like, <laughs> I hate watching it, but I love all the lines. It's just so well written and acted. I, I hate what I hate what it does, but I, yeah. as an episode, it's great. Final final thought: Where was Giles? <laughs> yes. <Right? laughs> I was like, is he not going to show up for the wedding? Okay. All right, and thank you all for listening, and thank you all for joining us, and thank you all for listening to 100 freaking episodes of this little Buffy podcast I started a while ago, and I appreciate all of you. I appreciate all of you for being here. I appreciate all of you for listening. I have all the feelings, as always. 
And if you like SlayerFest98, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at SlayerFestX98. If you like us, if you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, and other places podcasts are found. And if you like us, you can also rate us and leave us nice reviews to counter some of the mean ones. And uh, we also have a Patreon, which I appreciate all of your support and any support you can give helps keep this podcast going for hopefully 100 more episodes. I don't know what the hell I'd be talking about with Buffy for 100 more, but I'd still like to be around. And if you want to follow me on social media, I am at Ian X Carlos on all platforms. Kirsten, where can everyone find you? Hey, I am at Kirsten White on Twitter. I'm at author Kirsten White on Instagram. You can also find me at your local bookstore yay kim where can everyone find you i am at kim and joe south on twitter and anthony i am uh mia koopa m-e-a-k-o-o-p-a bad latin pun uh on most things and latoya where can everyone find you i am at lafergs l-a-f-e-r-g-s on twitter cool and thank you guys for joining us and thank you for being part of this hundredth episode i love all of you Bye. 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 Bye.